to try and, you know, so I'd nip out in my lunch break if I had to, um, and, you know, have a meeting with a developer and then go back to work and crack off with, with, my, with where I was doing back at work. So it was really trying to find a balance and opening my network and learning. It's very, I think it's very, very important that you learn from every stage and you take it all on board. Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision, and that is to educate, inform, and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling, and everything in between with up-and-coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders, and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, we're speaking with Ashley, founder and CEO at Localize. Localize is on a mission to build a better future of the high street. It's an award-winning mobile app and ecosystem controlled by small business owners and powered by shoppers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Spaceship podcast. Uh, today, we're speaking with Ashley from Localize. Uh, lovely to have you on the show, Ashley. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, yeah, give us a, a bit of a background uh, and introduction to yourself and what you guys are over or up to over at Localize. Firstly, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Cool. Um, yeah, so I'm the founder of um, Localize. We're a, uh, a tech startup, obviously, a mobile platform designed to um, support the independent retailers of the UK initially. Um, it's a, a community to connect shoppers and business owners and I always say although we're a sort of a, a startup with with new technology we kind of have old school values we believe in sort of community and human connection and understanding that you know um, it's been a tough ride for independent retailers and small business owners and I think it's important that we always remember that small businesses aren't just businesses they're they're people they're families you know and when you buy a coffee from an independent retailer it's not just going in into a big that pocket of, of, of profit and it's it's paying for the family's dinner for the week it's sending the children to school so um localize is a mobile platform that helps to introduce independent retailers to their local community and shoppers and get them engaged um, and we are currently nearing the end of our development for mvp with uh, target of launching october in a couple of fixed locations Okay, awesome. Um, so how long ago um, did you guys, you know, embark on this journey? When sort of did you start the, the company up? Uh, it seems absolutely bonkers to say this, but um, I came up with a concept back in 2000, late 2013, early 2014. I guess that just goes to show sometimes how long it can take to bring an idea to, to fruition. And I'm sure many people have been through similar journeys. Um, We've been through a number of iterations and a number of challenges, both on the business side and both personally. Obviously, with a startup, it can be a very personal affair. Um, day one, it was just me on my own, plugging away. My background's actually in the uh, investment banking world. I was never an investment banker as such personally, but I spent um, nine years with Goldman Sachs, obviously a big US investment bank. And when I started Localize, I was actually working at Goldman and um, 
quite challenging trying to manage a career with Goldman Sachs and, and run a startup and get that off the ground, especially when it's you on your own. And, you know, I, I self-funded the original beta version that we launched. So it was quite, um, it was a challenge. Yeah. A challenge that I enjoyed though. And um, I never have anything bad to say about my time with Goldman Sachs. I absolutely loved it. Um, but yeah, so we started um, back, back sort of seven years ago now. Um, you want me to give you a quick run through of, how we got to where we are today? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, launched a beta version, self-funded it. Um, things didn't work out with the app developer that we were using at that time, but we managed to have the app in the App Store for a few months. Um, got a nice bit of traction. We didn't really put any, say we, it was just I at that point, but I didn't really put any major budget behind marketing or PR, mostly because I didn't have the budget to spend. Um, Second, I was very aware that it was an MVP and I didn't want to overdo expenses when I don't need to um, at, that, at that stage. So at the app, in the App Store for a few months, um, we actually managed to win an award, which was a really, really cool. lovely milestone for us. Um, and that was, a, you know, Talk Talk, the telecoms company, they, um, they had an initiative called Digital Heroes. And there were a number of categories across the digital spectrum. And we were deemed to be the innovation most likely to encourage employment in the UK um, because of you know working with small businesses. And so that was that was a really nice milestone. Um, and you know, I think uh, I always talk about our localized, we have we have very genuine intentions. It's very important to me that the integrity of our model is is there and that we're bringing value add. So to, to win the award where we were deemed to be able to encourage employment. Um, was a really lovely award to win. Yeah. So we won that in 2014. Um, I took a couple of years off of localized um, for personal reasons. I was having some children. Um, so it's yeah. a couple of years raising my two, well, not raising, but having my two girls who are now four and, and two. Wow. And um, picked up the localized baton in sort of 2018. And in, the, in those past few years, I've been in touch with a colleague of mine um, who's now our co-founder, and he um, co-founded a very successful ad tech platform. Um, and when the time was right, he came and joined me as, as co-founder at Localize. He our, he's our CTO. He has a much more technical background than, than, than I do. Um, so he's been a great asset to us. So he joined the, the organization. organization. Um, and then we built out a new prototype uh, again, self-funded. We use that prototype to take to market and uh, we need to open some conversations with players in the industry and organisations that I thought we would be able to benefit with our product and that would, on the flip side, be able to benefit us. And that, that, went, um, that went well. We opened, we opened up some really good conversations and some good, some open, some good doors with uh, some, some big players in the industry. And then we realised that you know, we're doing all this good work. We've got a great concept. We don't actually have an app. So we, we went for funding, um, which was a whole other part of the journey. Um, this, was, this is sort of bringing it back up to the back end of 2019. We managed to successfully secure the sort of the seed round um, and did our raise. And, you know, with, with everything like this, it does take time to get those things over the line. And you know, there's a lot of paperwork and due diligence and decisions that have to be made, etc. So... That process happened, and then we went into lockdown. So if you can imagine, we are creating an app that is designed to help the high street and empower independent retailers at a time when the high street's not open. 
Yeah. So um, it was kind of a hairy time for us. Um, we're like, wow, are the investors going to follow through with, with their commitment? Um, but they absolutely did. They showed great faith in the product. Um, they're a great bunch of investors and, and they showed great faith in us as a team. And we had to um, do, as I'm sure most businesses have done, start up or establish um, whatever status they're at, whatever stage they're at, would have had to done at that point is, right, lockdown's here. How's this going to affect our, our business plan, our strategy for the next six, 12 months? I mean, no one knew when it was going to finish. I didn't know when the high street was going to open. We just had a, a, a pot of cash put into our, our account. How do we ensure that we don't burn out of this cash before we've even had, even had a chance to launch because the shops haven't reopened? So um, it was an interesting experience, but I always, you know, I think it's important to learn from from every experience you go through. And I, I'm a firm believer in things happening for, for a reason. And at the time they're meant to, and to teach you the lessons that you need. So we went through that process of applying kind of a Cobra filter across our business plan. And then we, and then we kicked off. Okay, nice. Exciting stuff. So between um, that point then, let's say, where you sort of picked up the baton again um, for, for Localize, uh, how long did it take you guys to, and of course at this point you brought on sort of a, a co-founder, how long did it take you to get like the initial MVP out to market? Well, it wasn't an MVP as such, it was a, it was a prototype that we, we didn't launch publicly, it wasn't in the app store, it was just kind of okay. a build that we had on our own phones that we were using to, to demonstrate to the partners that we had identified would be key players, uh, key partnerships and key relationships for us as we move forward. Um, so we, I'm trying to think, I think I spent probably around three months getting the prototype rebuilt um, and into a, a version that we could demonstrate and show people. And we'd learned a lot from the original version that we put out. We had some good traction. Like I said, we didn't really put any marketing budget or spend behind it. But we had, um, I think we had, you know, around a, around a thousand downloads in the local area. And we had between maybe 80 to 100 small businesses that had registered just through seeing us on Facebook and, and social media out, outlets and stuff. Um, so we, you know, we, by the time we're putting this new prototype together, we've, we've moved on three or four years. So we kind of sat down and said, right, we still believe the product from 2014 is great. And lo and behold, no one else has done it. So I was very thankful that no one picked, picked, picked me to the, the post. But we're now in 2018. There's new... There's new ways of, of, of using social media. There's new trends. There's new patterns. What do we need to adopt and how do we need to bring the prototype up to date or the MVP that we're going to build up to date with current trends and ensure we're still offering um, engaging content and value for our, for our users. So we, we, we tweaked the product, we added a couple of new features, and, and one of those new features that we've added is actually kind of one of our main USPs now that I always lead with when, when describing the product to, um, to potential partners and stuff. So I'm glad we took the time to sit down and just not, didn't just bring through the product that was seven years old, we took time to refresh and make sure it was current. Um, so yeah, that prototype took us, I don't know, maybe three or four months to do. Um, again, we were both working full-time jobs at that time. So it is a challenge to, to get yeah ground especially you know it was self-funding there was no investment at, at that point um but it's a labor of love it's one of those things where you know i might finish work and go to a meeting and not get home until 10 o'clock etc but it was it never seemed like a 
like a chore, you know, um, even to, even after seven years, you know, you might say, oh, I could, you could have done it quicker in seven years, you haven't achieved much, etc. But even though I wasn't getting really, very really quick achievements, it always felt right. Do you know what I mean? Um, I never felt like a, an ongoing chore and there wasn't any point where I was completely frustrated and thought about packaging because I believe in the product and I believe in the vision that we have as an organisation. Um, so yeah, so the prototype was built and then that, that was kind of at the start of end of 2018, probably middle to end. In 2019, we were having those conversations with partners and um, talking about right, when are we going to raise and getting our sort of investment pitch deck ready and that kind of stuff. And that of course up to end of 2019 where we managed to secure the funds, which is a great, great time for us. Awesome. And in terms of building the team, then this, this sort of um, team that you're launching the product with fully, you know, did you guys start building that team after you secured an investment or was that just prior to this point? Well, um, again, the pandemic and that whole situation has had a big impact on that. So mm-hmm. if you can imagine, we had a, a business plan, as most startups have when they're looking for investment. We had a business plan and we had these are the key hires that we see happening across this period of time. This is how we're going to spend the money that we raise. But if you can imagine with a product like ours, once the money was in our pot, but lockdown had happened, there's no point in us hiring salespeople to go out and start speaking to set people on the high street and shops. because There were no shops open. Yeah, We weren't allowed out of our houses. So that Cobra filter that we put over the business plan really was, it affected every single aspect of that plan. So hiring, um, you know, we, we saved ourselves a good few thousand pounds a month because we don't have to have an office, for example. So that's a good thing. Um, but we really, yeah, really had to, adjust that that business plan and keep it flexible and dynamic to react to what happens in the market. So if all the, if the high street closes again, you know, we have to be ready for that. If the high street's fully open, we have to be ready for that. So we had a we had a hiring plan around bringing the team in. That kind of went on ice. And we've hit certain milestones in our journey up until now that's allowed us to go, right, now it's time to start looking at that recruitment plan again. What are our key hires to start with that can give us the biggest bang for our buck at the start, really help us to um, achieve our goals, to take us through to the next point where we'll have to do our next raise in order to grow and expand. Mm. So we had a hiring plan. The hiring plan got changed. We now have a new hiring plan, and that's, that's going to be kicking off quite shortly. Okay, cool. And what are some of those, those key hires then that are going to be you know, sort of helping you to get to that next level? Um, well, I think for us, I'm very conscious. I've, I read somewhere once, and I don't, I don't always like quoting things I've read, but I read somewhere once that a good CEO surrounds himself by people that are better and more talented than he is. And I absolutely believe in that. Um, now, I have the vision for the product. It's, it's, it was my vision, my idea, and I, I love the product. Um, and I'm fully aware that I don't have all of the skills that, that are needed to make this vision come, come to life. So that's where... Um, the hiring starts to, to come in and we've hired an interim head of head of marketing um, <clears throat> who joined us great lady really bringing a lot of value to the table um, who joined us uh, about six to eight weeks ago and you know if we want to grow the product and get the traction that we that we need we need to have a robust marketing strategy in place and we need to talk to all of the various channels that are available to us and we need to make sure that we're doing that in the most cost effective way um, you know, do, do we spend X amount of money on bringing a salesperson on when we, we, realistically 
over the next six months, they're only going to be able to sign up X amount of businesses, which doesn't even cover their wages. That's probably not the best way for us to use that money at this point. So we're looking at performance marketing and the social channels and um, various other digital options that we've got to us. And our head of marketing is really helping us to, to uh, well, as, as a startup, you know, it's all hands to the pump. Everyone's yeah. the strategy in place and we're bringing our head of marketing is very strategic in the way she thinks and what she's done in the past. But it also it was made clear from the start that this is where all hands to the deck, right? There's this strategy and there's tactical and we all put in what we need to do to get the job done because we're so early on in our, in our growth and our, our, um, our life cycle. So that's something that she's absolutely embraced and is very comfortable doing. And it's really great to have people around you that you can link on and you can rely on and you don't have to worry that things are being done. Because when it was just myself and co-founder that, you know, we have to think about every single aspect of the organization. We still do that now, but it's nice to be able to know that that section I'm thinking about is sitting comfortably with this person and I trust them to be able to manage that and report back. Um, so yeah, head of marketing was the kind of the first person that we, we, we brought on board um, to help us position ourselves correctly for that growth. And, you know, um, I think there's been a sort of a, a save the high street and, and support for the high street wave across the country for the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. And the pandemic, I think, unfortunately, we've lost a number of retailers and high street, even, even chains, corporates, we've lost some big players in the industry. But for the small businesses that we lost, it's, it's such a tra tragedy. However, the ones that have survived and managed, however they got through the pandemic, they pivoted their, their model or they just managed to, to sneak through, they've come out the back of it with a, an increased wave of support. I mean, everyone is focused on supporting local now and shopping locally. And I think they really see the impact that the local shop owners have on their high street and on their community. And I think that's a, a wonderful and beautiful thing. And I'm hoping that, you know, if we position ourselves correctly and we get our value, our value proposition and absolutely correct, we can be there at the right time to support those businesses when they need us. And, and our head of marketing is very instrumental in positioning, positioning us in that place. Um, moving forwards, we're, we're looking at someone to come in um, and help us to really manage the product. And, you know, I've been kind of doing the product management role since inception, but I'm not a product manager. I don't, I don't know those um, methodologies that have been taught to professionals in that space, and I don't claim to know them. And um, so we're going to bring someone on to manage product. We've had someone working as a consultancy basis for us on this for a, for a couple of months, and he's been a fantastic um, value add to us as well. But we need someone to work on this full time. So when we launch, the feedback's brought in from our users. We know what's being used, what's not being used, what functions need to be tweaked, et cetera, so we can react as quickly as we can to make sure the product stays on point and is doing what it needs to do. Like I said, if the value add of our product is supremely important to me. I would never want to launch a product that didn't really do anything value add, but generated new revenue. That's not the way I operate. So this really needs to work. And that's why that product person is important to ensure that we're taking the feedback from the business owners they're finding value in the product if they're not where they would see the value and how we can implement that to make sure that we're supporting that, that community of, of high street um retailers 
Oh, so before we, we jump further into um, into this conversation, I actually wanted to maybe take a, a small step back. And um, of course, you come from the investment background, which is incredible. Investment is such an important part of building a startup, but it's not everything. So um, you said you spent a few years in the job while working on the startup, the very initial stages of it. So what I'd like to find out is um, how did you go about the initial sort of navigation um, of that startup world. Did you join any communities? Um, did you just do research online or maybe you found some friends who have been actually on that journey before? That's a good question, actually. Um, it's been such a long journey to this date. I know we're not even launched yet, but I feel like we've done, we've come such a long way um, over a long period of time, granted. But yeah, I did a number of things. I mean, I, I went to a number of... Um, Sort of networking sessions and sort of I think back I had introductions to various people in industry who could or couldn't help me but may, might have introduced me to someone else and I really helped I really built my network um, and I did that sort of all off my own back like I said I, I was working for Goldman and then a Japanese investment bank and then a Spanish investment bank and it, it, it's these aren't jobs that are lightweight they're very demanding they can command long hours and stuff so it was really finding the balance to try you know so i'd nip out in my lunch break if i had to um and you know have a meeting with a developer and then go back to work <laughs> with, with, my, with where i was doing back at work so it was really trying to find a balance and opening my network and learning it's very i think it's very very important that you learn from every stage and you take it all on board and yeah, so I went to a number of networking events and um, in London where you sit with other entrepreneurs or other or investors and, and that kind of stuff. And I even had offer of investment um, earlier on in, in the um, in the localized journey, but I didn't feel we were ready for that yet. Um, I didn't want to waste any opportunity or waste any funds. So, like I said, I'm a big believer in in, in things happening at the right time and coming through to this stage. It just kind of felt right at this point to, to, to take the investment now. Um, and just completely coincidentally, we've got the pandemic in the, in, the, in the middle of it, which has shifted the focus onto shopping locally, which is um, advantageous for a platform like Localize, and hopefully like I said, we can add that value where needed. Cool. So jumping into sort of the topic of branding then um, and a bit on marketing. So of course you've, you've brought on sort of a, an interim CMO, which is really cool um, to see as one of the, the first key stakeholders being brought onto the team. I think it's super important to make sure you've got that positioning right, especially at a time like this. <laughs> um, yes. But with the, the branding then, it's, it's always interesting to understand from your point of view, um, you know, I guess there's a couple of questions, but Essentially, branding, like what does it mean to you guys as a, as a business, as a company at the moment, or as a brand, I would say? Um, yeah. You know, what would you say? Do you know what? I think with a product like local, such as Localize, it's, it's a very heartfelt product. It's very important to me that everyone that we work with, you know, our CTO and our head of marketing, who, that they believe in the product. And they're, I'm very passionate about what we do. And it's not sort of just a, a let's say, a, a data-based product that doesn't that can get away with not having any emotion or character behind it. So the branding and the way we proposition the brand is, is very important because I think that 
the space we're in, in terms of trying to create that community feel and encourage connection between human beings is a very emotive space. And I want to engage people on an emotional level. I want to see that every pound they spend in the high street makes a difference to someone's family. And therefore, the branding for a product like this is very important and very key. And we have to get it right. And we, we went through actually a, a very extensive branding exercise with, uh, with an agency in, in central London who spent a long time with us, listening to us and trying to get underneath the skin of, of the vision and what we're trying to achieve. And they put that effort in and that time in and, and they've come up with, a, with what I think is a fantastic brand um, proposition. You know, we have like a 65-page brand bible and style guide which says this is the tone of voice that we use if we want to ensure that we're consistent with our messaging and get the right message across, these are the sort of words we use. These aren't the sort of words we use. But for me, you know, authenticity is so important. And the reason, yes, there's a marketing element to it, but it's genuine. I truly believe in what we're trying to do. And I, you know, if I could go around and talk to every single small business owner and shake their hands, give them a hug, not now, I obviously have to wear a mask and stuff, <laughs> and get them engaged and emotionally on a level, I would do it um, because this product is a personal product. And so the branding really needs to represent what we stand for, and that is community and connection and human interaction, yes, in the digital world, but also outside of the digital world. You know, we want to increase football to the high street. And that might mean shopping in a local retailer via your mobile phone. That might be using your mobile phone to find the retailer in your high street and going into that shop seeing that shop owner having a relationship with them so the branding is very important for a for a platform like us so you said you've engaged an agency to help you express the the, the mission and vision of the business and what's very interesting to find out is you know why then why did you think it was a good time now to actually um find a partner to help you figure that out what really prompted that decision because of course it's been it's been quite a long journey and i guess what's confusing sometimes is you know the fact that you have to have a brand but you have to figure out exactly what it is that you're doing who it is you're speaking to and how you talk to those customers and then you can step back and, and really focus on building that identity and tone of voice so what was the key point or maybe series of events that um felt like it's the right time now to do it well do you know what well for one we had some money in our pocket yeah. <laughs> that helps yeah <laughs> that absolutely helps but for two i think we've had the the um the advantage of of, of five six seven years of experience so we had an a, initial brand that i i came up with myself um and it was quite good but you know things progress and time goes on and then once we created our prototype we created a temporary secondary brand just to represent that prototype etc but because we've had that time and that journey that all throughout that journey we were we were honing in our heads and in our minds what we wanted the brand to represent so we'd already done a lot of kind of we kind of know how we want to position ourselves and so that tied in with the fact that here's some money to help develop this product. Mm. Let's get that brand captured right now as one of the first things we do so that, you know, even if we haven't launched, we can start our social campaigns and the messaging is going to be consistent from the, from the get-go. I, I, you know, and, you know, brands always pivot and um, brands change. They change their color tones, they change their tone of voice, etc. But I wanted to try and do as much as I could early on to get that rich, genuine 
brand and tone of voice and everything in position so that that gave us the foundation to build on moving forwards. So, you know, like I said, we, uh, we, we, we don't have a product yet. We're going to be launching later on in the year, October. Um, but we have the brand and everyone that we talk to, it's really, it's useful because everyone that we talk to, you know, we're in the process of creating an, uh, an animated explainer video. It's going to go on our website. Here's our brand Bible. When we have an, our websites being coded, being developed at the moment, it should be ready next week. Here's our brand Bible, Mr. Web Developer. So they understand the, where we're coming from as an organization, what our vision is, what our objectives are, how we think, what we're trying to do from day one. So it helps for it helps for a good level of consistency through all of the touch points of the organisation that we had that brand feel and tone of voice and, and vision from early on in this part of our journey. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, really cool. So moving into sort of like the roadmap um, and and scaling for you guys. Of course, um, there's a couple of I guess uh, hurdles to to overcome current landscape of the high street um taken into account but you know moving forward what what does the roadmap look like um for localize and and, and sort of how are you guys going to approach scaling so um as you mentioned it, we have to remain agile we have to be yeah. flexible. we could all be locked down again in a couple of weeks and then you know that we have to work out how we're going to navigate that those things but essentially Localize is a, is a two-sided marketplace app, right? So we have shoppers and we have business owners. And unless we've got, you know, a hundred million pounds marketing budget, there's no point in launching a product like this on a national level because we just won't have the reach um, currently. So if you can imagine, you know, we get a thousand downloads in Newcastle shoppers, but there are no businesses advertising on localized in Newcastle, we potentially lost those thousand users. We want to make sure that the, the growth that we go through is, is controlled and that we don't waste any opportunity and or um, money and, and, yeah. and, and costs. So the idea is that we're going to launch in um, two or three fixed locations, and we're doing our groundwork in those locations before we launch. So we've chosen three towns that we're going to launch in, and in two of those towns, we're going to be working with the borough council and the town teams. And through those channels, we've, we've been able to be introduced to various other local um, sort of people of influence and people, yeah, people that other people listen to in that area. So maybe sort of ex-councillors in those areas or town team managers or PR agencies that focus on those towns, etc. So we're really trying to focus in those areas and via those marketing methods that I mentioned earlier, you know, your performance marketing funnels and the socials and, and, you know, even having people out on the street with local, localized, what they call them now, they call them windbreakers now, don't they? Cause all, <laughs> that's why I used to call them, um, yeah, yeah. showing my age. Um, but so we'll, we'll focus on those two areas in order to gain, uh, you know, core following in those areas. And then we'll organically build outwards from there. So get that model right in the fixed locations and then rinse and repeat, really move to other towns that are nearby um, and monitor that as we go along, make sure that we're on track with what we're doing, that the spend is correct, getting the uptake we need. Um, and then, yeah, and then, and then move outwards from there and with product like localized, you know, it, the idea is that we, are, we will launch nationwide when the time's right and when we have that traction, but long-term we'd like to take this outside of the UK and, and, and launch it I mean, in the States would be our, something we'd really like to do. 
um, but we have to get it right. I mean, we're a product for local shops and local consumers. So we're using two local towns to me where I live um, to get it right from, from the outset. And part of the, one of the functionality or part of the, the makeup of localized is we have this model whereby we're actually going to be putting money back into local economy. So money in people's pockets to spend in the local economy. And it will just make me feel so, so great to know that I'm able to help my local town, my local business owners do that first and get the model right with those guys. Um, yeah, and then we, we go from there, we build out. Absolutely. Yeah, really cool. Um, and, and what would be really cool to, is to just sort of dive in, because of course your journey has been, I guess, in terms of localized. You know, it's, it's been split into a couple of different parts. And it's been over quite a long period of time. So there's probably quite a lot of um, tips and pointers you could give. But if we were to look back across that journey and, and sort of this journey that has led to where Localize is um, today, you know, what nuggets of information um, could you sort of distill from those experiences, maybe some of the problems that you've you faced um, for, for the audience? Oh, this is an interesting question. Yeah. Um, so many, really. Uh, I think keep learning. Just keep learning. Uh, I think I, I was on a call the other day, and I mentioned, you know, this is I'm a I'm. It's amazing. You put a CEO and founder on your LinkedIn profile all of a sudden, and and everyone wants to talk to you. When I had sort of uh, my previous job title on there, people don't want to talk to you. So you yeah. get this, all of a sudden you're a CEO and a founder. You know, I'm the same guy I was before I was that. But hey ho. Um, but just keep learning. This is a learning curve for me. This is the first time that I've run a startup so I'm learning new things all the time and I'm speaking to and I'm trying to get good people around me that I can learn from um, I think I, I mentioned on a call that I said that it's like when you leave your primary school and you're top of the your top year you know all of you know everything about the school and you go to high school and all of a sudden starting again you're at the bottom of the ladder you're year yeah. seven you don't know anyone you're, you're <laughs> you know you're lowest of the low it's kind of like right I've gone from you know sort of middle management role at an investment bank to starting from scratch. And so, yeah, it's, I really would encourage everyone just to, just to try and learn as much as you can. And you know what? Don't lose sight of your vision. Don't lose sight of your vision. For me, I'm, I'm very passionate about the, what we're trying to achieve. And it's very easy to, to allow that to be watered down. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when we, when we were looking at developers to build the product, we were focused on that well. If you took this function out, we could build it for a bit less money and a little bit less time. No, we need the essence of the product in there. Yeah. So everything has to pivot, completely understand that, and you will have to tweak and make compromises where possible. But for me, it's very important that the essence of my product remains because that's what gives us the integrity to do what we we're trying to do. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think keep learning is, is, is a massive, massive point. Um, get good people around you. Um, even if it's just, even if you're not paying them any money, or it's just friends that you can you can talk to and, and bounce ideas off of. Um, and I've been very lucky; I have a, a number of good people around me. Um, keep sight of your vision. If you're a, if you're the founder, that, you know people will come into this to join you, and they'll have they'll have different um, different motivations. They'll have different you know shareholders will come in. They've invested in your in your product because they like the idea of what you're trying to do, but. No, ultimately they want to make their cash back. So it's a it's a balance of okay, I want to make cash as well, but I'm, I'm not. You can't water down the product to get there essentially. So keep your vision, keep learning, get good people around you. 
also a massive thank you to Localize for speaking to us. You can find them online at localizeapp.com. You're listening to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal by Blue Drop Studio, a digital marketing and creative content agency based in London, UK. We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at HeyBlueDrop on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rowinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.